Recorded live. Yeah, we hear Dave all the time. 393 times, Mr. Nelson, the one of the founders and owners of TalkShoe, uh, introduces our show. All the sophisticated people have the bumper music and the, and you know, I, I just never got around to it. Maybe someday I will, but there is no someday, so we're not going to worry about it because someday's <laughs> not on the calendar. Uh, this is Chuck Bartok speaking to you from the gorgeous banks of the Sacramento River at the base of Mount Lassen, our most recently active volcano here in the United States in 1919. And if you ever wonder why all the black rock is around us, it's because it's spewed out of that beautiful mountain. And um, we still have a good mantle of snow there today. And, of course, Mount Shasta up the road a few miles, uh, 14,000 feet of all snow is still looking good. And But we're down here, uh, got the pool heater on. I'm going to start my, my season of being in the pool here tonight and, uh, so that I can maintain my, my lack of obesity just some of the things to catch you up on. Um, we're joined today by, oh my gosh, the audience gets larger. Of course, Lori Polina in St. Louis is with us. Gino Dilciano up in Canada. And uh, we've got South Nevada. We already said who South Nevada is. Um, who's South Nevada again? Oh, Julian. Okay. It's Julian. Ju- Julian Perez. It's Perez. Perez, yes. Perez. And uh, Gerard King has muted himself. Uh, uh, Gerard King has been a longtime member and listener. We'll give him a little credit here in a minute. And uh, we do have Oz de Solier. Dussier. Dussier. No. I'll get it one of these days, Oz. Oz and I met on Google Plus a few weeks ago, and um, he's uh, has some great ideas in doing a very unique business. And uh, he has a wonderful mindset. And our guest today, uh, from the wonderful state of Georgia, we have Nita Matthews Morgan and her son Josh Matthews Morgan, who co-authored a book that, believe it or not, guys, I'm on my sixth reading. Uh, The biggest mistake is I want a Kindle, and uh, this is what's keeping me up at night. And uh, you have written such a delightful book that is, it, it's kind of like Think and Grow Rich. It's like The Master Key, the books that we've, and The Miracle of Right Thought by Orison Sweat Martin in the 1880s. You, you have, you've written a book that anybody can read and reread and keep themselves focused for themselves, which, of course, is the ultimate benefit, which some people say, oh, that's selfish, but uh, I'd like to uh, welcome you guys, and and please uh, don't fight over the phone. Uh, Let's start off with Nita. Nita, what's what's your background? Well, hi. Good to be here, Chuck. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I am, uh, I was a college professor. I'm retired. I was an educational psychologist. And uh, I was always interested in uh, the mind and the brain and in blocks to human performance. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what right now we're peak performance coaches. So Peak performance. Peak that's, performance yeah, coaches. Peak. How to help somebody get right. really out of their own way because that's what I find from my own personal experience is just that I just get in my own way. Uh-huh. My, my head just gets in my own way. So right. <laughs> that makes it hard to do what I want to do. It, we, we, we find, so many of us find it difficult to unleash the true authentic self, the, 
the person who we really are. And of course, if you ever listen to the past episodes of this show, we we carry a same theme <laughs> throughout, and right. that is that we, as individuals, were born in the image and likeness of greatness, and therefore, we have that innate power to be what we decide to be, <clears throat> if we focus on ourselves properly. And uh, we can allow, I, it's our theory here that we've discussed over the years, is that uh, it's so easy to let society throw a, a yoke around us and mm. start dictating how we think and what we do instead of mm. thinking for ourselves. So, Josh, how did you get involved in this? Well, um, it's a long story, actually. And I was, I was actually living in Argentina and, um, and working down there, uh, teaching English and doing translations for companies when my... My mother at the time and my future business partner uh, called me up and said, uh, she said, hey, you need I'm to... I'm still his mom. Right, yeah, you're still his mom. <laughs> she, was only, she, right, she was only my mom at the time. I didn't disown yeah. her or anything. Yeah. But um, she called me up and, and said, hey, I'm, I'm getting involved in this, in this business, basically teaching people how to, how to be at their best, and uh, I think that you would you'd be an awesome business partner. And immediately, it was one of those things that felt, felt like the right thing on the inside, so I, I agreed to... With her immediately, and it's been a it's been a wonderful journey ever since. And um, I I don't have a degree in psychology, but I've been an avid student of psychology for pretty much my entire life, um, studying it on the side. And and I'm just fascinated by what makes people tick. And uh, also, likewise, similar to my mother, what you know, why why do we not reach our full potential in any given moment, really? Uh, I reading this. I, I'm new to this. Kindle kind of stuff, but I found out that I'm able to uh, bookmark notes, and mm-hmm. I have way too many on this book. <laughs> but but basically, and we have discussed your book, by the way, Lori. How many sessions did we discuss this book on this show? Oh, <laughs> quite a I few. think well over a dozen already. Yeah. Yeah, so wow. if anybody's interested, they can go into now. Uh, if you go to focussociety.com, that will take you to our. Our little site here at TalkShoe and all 393, well, after today, 393 episodes are either downloadable to an iPad or a listening device or to your hard drive, absolutely free, or you can listen to them <laughs> streaming. Um, we have people around the world who have all of our episodes constantly updated on their iPod and run around in their various countries listening, which is an honor. <laughs> but... Um, the the premise of the book. How would you describe it? Of course, well, we got to talk about the title, huh? Deliver. Well, I'm going to tell you this was Josh's brainchild. Okay. And so I'm going to let him describe how he got to this space of how it started. All right. Take it away, uh, Josh. Well, I guess do you want us to start with the title first? We can. Talk well, yeah. About it. I mean, I, I, it's actually uh, the, the 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 whole thing fascinated me. That's why I bought it. But sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. deliver, deliver. You know. Yeah. Well, we uh, we actually were kind of uh, agonizing over the title for a long time. Uh, we knew that we wanted the subtitle to be How to Perform Your Best When It Counts the Most, because that's what we really felt like encapsulated the whole idea of the book. Um, but we, we really just liked the idea of having a very simple, very to-the-point t- title that would call to the mind of, of the person who you know, was going to buy it or was going to read it, the image of themselves really delivering and really and really performing at their best in that time when they are at their best. And so that's what, you know, we ended up deciding on deliver how to perform at your best. Um, and throughout the whole process of the book, we, we basically set a, a very strong intention before we were even writing it that 
we wanted the words in this book themselves to actually cause the person to get into that space where they could be at in peak performance mode. And so it wasn't going to be one of those long-winded sort of academic books that have lots of stories and quotes. We want it to be like you have your own sort of personal coach in your back pocket, a book that you can refer to over and over again with short segments that really get you into that space where, you know, where, where magic happens in your life. And so um, that was our criteria for writing the book. And any time we would come upon a section that we felt like it wasn't doing that, it wasn't getting that person, the words themselves were not, would not get that person into the state of peak performance, we either cut it or we, you know, we, we changed it, simplified it, and made it so that it was more powerful. So that's kind of the, the, the evolution, how the book evolved. And, uh, and I think you know, we have a pretty, pretty cool book. And the, at the end of the day, we ended up producing something that, that did what we said it would do. Now, are you in corp- I would imagine your coaching that, that uh, you yeah. and your mother do. Uh, let's use that catchword again. What do you call your coaching again? Nita said I didn't peak, write it. Peak, peak performance. performance. P-E-A-K. Yeah. It's it's like how to get out of your own way. <laughs> right, right. I I love that how to get out of your own way because you know I noticed myself getting in my own way on the golf course last night. I had two tournaments yesterday. One I got rained out on in the morning, but yesterday evening I kept getting in my way. <laughs> and once I got rid of myself or focused on myself <laughs> instead of focused on everything else, I love that. I, once I, you got rid of yourself, yeah. I, well, when, once I got rid of that thing that was pointing me to the other people. Yeah, and, and I think this is this is the key. Um, I, I wish I could quickly come to the the notes that I had, but the real emphasis, the the takeaway I have from your book is that we have to appreciate who we are and not give a diddly squat what you think about me. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm sorry we've said that on this program for years, and it's just real hard to. I mean, you know, we can say it. But do we apply it? And, and so the, last night's golf match was a perfect example. I was concerned what my partner, you know, it's a, a two-person oh. two tournament, what he was thinking about my mess-ups. Now, you know, I'm an elderly gentleman <clears throat> who came back to the golf course after a 37-year hiatus. So obviously I'm not in my groove that I was oh. in my, you know, 20s mm-hmm. and 30s. Mm-hmm. But... And for two holes, that bothered me because I had some lousy shots, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and then when I said, hey, I'm not playing golf with anybody. Right. I'm playing golf with me. Right. Yes. Right. And the wildflowers were outstanding. Yes. And then, oh. You know. But, but uh, th- this is what we all suffer, isn't it? Uh, I, we, we talk we, to people who, who want to climb out of a sh- you know, They're downtrodden. They feel like they're downtrodden. Well, yeah. because they've allowed somebody to trot yeah. on them. Well, I love the way you said that. What we all suffer from is the judge, mm-hmm. the inner judge that tells us that we're not okay and that we just, if we could just do it this way or like that other person or be this way, or, you know, then, then we'd finally be okay. And uh, so <laughs> having suffered from a very harsh judge, most of my life, I think, you know, we teach what we need to learn. Mm-hmm. So I have really loved the feeling of turning those thoughts towards a kinder, gentler person inside my head. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when you do that, you actually can access that peak performance. Yeah, and, and I, would, I can really relate to that, that story about golf, too, because, 
you know, one of the things that we that we really emphasize is that that these are all these are universal principles and these are things that everybody struggle with. It's not whether you consider yourself a performer or a golfer or an athlete or a salesperson or whatever, that's really irrelevant. But, you know, it happens in every walk of our life that we start, you know, worrying about what, you know, what other people think of us. We worry about uh, are they judging our performance, uh, this and that and the other, and, and that really holds us back. And um, I'll use a personal story that I'm, uh, I'm actually teaching myself to play the piano now. Um, and so when Lori well, you better get that, together with Lori. Excuse me, Lori. Yeah. Lori is an accomplished cool. concert pianist. <laughs> Absolutely, I would love to. Yeah, but she's that not was... supposed to be because she's got webbed fingers. Oh wow! Okay. That's cool. That's, wow. That's more power to you. That's amazing. <laughs> and well, that that was something that um, I right away. Um, I am the oldest of two girls, but I was of my household the only one of my mom, my dad, my sister, and myself to go as far as a university-level education. Mm. Mm. Um, Not because any of them cared that I did that. Um, I was the one that made that decision that Mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to do, and I, the only thing I had ever known was my, my childhood dream of a career in music. Mm. And I, two years down the road, I was a vocal music major, and two years down the road into that, allergies and asthma got a hold of me, and you switched um, to the piano. I I attempted to switch to the piano, and they didn't want me in that either because my right hand, as Chuck mentioned, I have two webbed fingers, and so they didn't think that I would be able to meet the requirements. Well, I determined to do a vocal and piano recital upon my graduation um, with what ended up being a degree in psychology. Whether or not the university wanted to formally recognize it or not, um, I was going to do a recital. And so we privately, my instructor privately rented the, the concert hall and we did the recital anyway. There you go. Wow, that's, that's amazing. amazing. I love well, that. Hey, Josh, tell us, tell us about your, your new piano venture. I'm curious why. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm like Lori. I've always been uh, passionate about music, and it's really something that I've turned to more in my uh, more in my adult life. Um, and you know, I've made a lot of progress in the two or so years that I've been playing piano. But one thing that I that I that I've noticed too is that I am a very different player when I'm playing just practicing for myself and by myself and when it you know when I trans, when it comes to translating that into a performance setting even when there's just friends and family around uh sometimes my mind gets the better of me and uh-huh. uh and uh, I, you know I start becoming sort of a, aware of you know well will people notice that I made a lot of progress or how do how do they think that I'm sounding and this and that and the other you know kind of worrying about what other people are thinking about me and my performance immediately starts to tank because you know I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll notice this. Um, I'm sure you can attest to this, Lori, that you know when you're performing music, you really have to be in that space where there's almost no thought. And if you have that, you know, the sort of the the self-consciousness stream of consciousness going, it really pulls you out of the moment and and messes with your rhythm in, in a lot of different ways. And that's just, you know, that's just a musical example. Well, but that, the way the way I always the way I always put it was, if I'm conscious of an audience being there 
I'm not going to be able to perform. I right. for me it becomes me and the piano. If it's me and the piano, I'm in the right place. Right, exactly. So when you factor in all those other people and all their opinions and all that, that's when you sort of take yourself off your center. Yeah. Oh, come yeah. on. I, I disagree with that. Well, okay. at least for me, I'm a performer. I get on the stage, and I am bringing the party. When my band hits the stage, because I started playing bass when I was 38, so that was 10 years ago. <laughs> and playing, being in a band in a basement, writing songs, feeling good, me and three other guys. No, hell no. No, you, you got to get out on stage and bring the party to the people who, uh, who they'll never be on the stage. They come for something, and I want right. to deliver that to them. Sure. Exactly. But, yeah, and I, and I think there's a, there's definitely a difference between, you know, sort of feeding off the energy of the audience, which I think – you, the best performers really learn how to do is learn to sync themselves sort of with the energy of people. Um, I think what we're really more referring to is when people start worrying about, you know, how they're coming across to the audience. It's like, you know, you have to take that time to sort of center, you know, center and, and ground yourself in who you are first before you have anything else to give to the audience. Okay. And I think that's, okay. that's the process that, you know, that I employ and that a lot of other peak performers employ too. Exactly. I, I, I think in Oz, Oz's situation, we've chatted several times on the phone, and uh, it was interesting. He is a performer, as he's mentioned, and he also found an avocation or a passion in teaching people a unique technical situation. It's way beyond me. It's all about the Excel spreadsheet, but he he really enjoyed giving personal uh, what we would call seminars, you know, an audience of 10, 20, 30 people. Mm-hmm. And and that's the direction he wanted to go. And what we've been discussing is with his passion and his ability to, and I'm going to use this word, perform, because he does have passion. He speaks with passion. Uh, he's finding out that he's going to be able to broaden his audience by using such tools as webinars and things of this nature where people can still see them and still see the animation. But what, what Oz said was interesting is that he, the people came there to, because of him and his energy. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and you guys countered it beautifully in, in my estimation by saying that, see, Oz is grounded getting there. <laughs> you know, I mean, he knows that's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, I reflect back to your book, and I, I think Oz mastered this a while ago, win or lose, succeed or fail. What other people think of you and your performance is completely irrelevant. It's none of your business. You are not there to impress them. In fact, the more impressive you try to be, the less impressive you end up being. But again, in Oz's case, he said he's there to enter. You know, people were looking for his energy, but he's going to perform who he is. You see, I don't think Oz is worrying about nor is he, if somebody's in the back room not paying an attention to him, Oz, it doesn't bother you, does it? I, I, I have to remind myself. <laughs> so, no, I, I have not mastered it. You know, I go and am myself and um, recognize that, yeah, I have people in the seminars, they look bored. I'm wondering if they thought they wasted their time and their money, but I have to just, just wash that off and keep moving forward, keep moving forward. It's a constant thing. You have, to, you have to remind them that, that 
this is this is your opinion, this is your take on it and you know, they had a choice whether they attended the the event or not. And and part of it is me making stuff up because a lot of times right. people that look bored, they come up <laughs> right. and say, wow, that was the greatest ever. Oh, okay. So yeah, stop making stuff up. Just <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's yeah. so interesting. You said that Oz, because there there is life, and then there's the stories that we make up, and the yep. stories we make up are what keep, get us into trouble. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we can't remember what we said yesterday. Oh, that's well, like, too. That's like a few weeks ago on um, Tuck on the podcast that Roy and I do with the Miracle of Right Thought. I was hosting it um, that morning alone. And I had in the chat, for the first time in a long time, I had a heckler, uh, not not live on the phone, but in the chat, typing in things that were negative. Mm-hmm. And, and years ago, if that same thing had happened, I would have been thinking to myself, oh, man, I must not be a very good host. I'm a, I must not be a very good, you know, I must not be very good at this. This time, I literally said, after reading the post at the end of the show, you know, um, I I really appreciate you being here, and I hope you'll come back and listen to past past episodes and get the real flavor of what we're talking about here. But this is my take on this material, and you have your opinion, I have mine. So mm-hmm. um, go out and make it a great day on purpose. And <laughs> I just want, you know what? I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we don't I give don't a diddly squat is what feeling. we say on this program. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. That's good. it was a realization for me of, you know what? It really doesn't matter what they thought. Right, right. <laughs> and it's so it powerful to come to an understanding. Which chapter in your book, uh, Josh, do you, I mean, there there must be a couple of sections that you like to folk have people focus on. Uh, I mean, it, it flows so beautifully. What I love is the way you uh, keep having those little, you, you end a, an idea with a question and then we go to that little quote. I, I just think that's so unique. Uh, mm. Yeah, we wanted we wanted the book to flow like a, we felt like a performance should flow, and so mm-hmm. instead of having just these one chapter and then another as like some kind of separate thing, we wanted to sort of you know draw the reader in and sort of weave them along from one one thought to the next, just like they would be if they were giving a speech or performing in any situation. So um, yeah, we, there's a couple I guess that stand out uh, in terms of it's funny because we we almost separated the chapters according to what we liked the most and. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite chapter, personally, is the Ignore the Peanut Gallery chapter. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, because that's been one of my most difficult lessons to learn myself, personally, is how to sort of block out those distractions and the hecklers and the people that, um, and the people that you know, just have negative opinions no matter what. You know, you'll never be able to convince them that you're worth anything, you know, type of thing, just because that's how their outlook is. Um, but, you know, and one I really like that, well, I'll, I'll let my I'll let my mom speak to her favorite, uh, the one one of the ones that she wrote. Okay, um, I love I, since my stuff is the mind and the brain and all that. Um, 
I love this chapters on be here now and, you know, being able to distance yourself from the thoughts in your mind and go to that place where you are not your mind. Because I love, I didn't realize you guys, the premise was that we are all here as a part of a larger, bigger self. And when we can connect to that bigger self, um, then we can really achieve what we're here to do and, and get to our peak performance. And one easy way to do that is just to stop the thoughts in your head, get to the place where you have that just still pool of water where you access this bigger part of yourself. So I loved writing about that because I am big on that. I love to meditate. I love to stop that thought because most of my thoughts are are pretty get me in trouble <laughs> you don't want to be in my head sometimes yeah. i think we so, all have i think we all have that situation needed absolutely you, you know you brought something up that goes back way back in this show about um, that getting you know just how, how you said it and i can't remember it but it reminds me very much of a book that we'd spent a year discussing and of course was a foundation of my life along with think and grow rich in 1960 and that's the master key written by yes. Charles Hanel, who was actually the mentor. He's actually the mentor, right? Yes, mentor to Napoleon Hill. Yes, and yes. I'm I'm really thrilled that you know about that. Many people don't know about that book. Well, we and, do on this show. Well, wow. <laughs> I've given away oh, yeah. over, so five, away over five thousand copies. I yes. love that exercise from that Chuck, right. where he has a, where he has you just sit. Just simply sit and hold the thought of of perfection. Hold the thought of what you think your perfect self would be. Mm-hmm. Just hold that. Just with with no other thoughts, with no other distractions, nothing. Just sit and just hold that mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing because what that did for me was was to teach it to just go on to strengthen that part of me that says, you know, it's not about what somebody else thinks of my performance on the piano. It's if I'm doing it properly, if I'm playing a piece on the piano, if I'm doing it properly, it's me and the piano and the music. Mm-hmm. And then and other people's no perception. Yeah. There is no other audience. It's <laughs> me and what I'm feeling that the music is doing to me. Very good. Yeah, the the book, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned, Nita, that uh, we have been promoting the Master Key. As I said, we've given away well over 5,000 free wow. copies. Anybody yeah. that wants it, uh, just drop me an email, chuckbartok at gmail.com. I also narrated the book, and it's available for a lordly 10 oh, bucks. Cool. Wow, but, that's um, cool. The, the book the book has been instrumental in this program, and what I found fascinating in 1960, when I was introduced to the Think and Grow Rich, and then that obviously took me to the Master Key, is I, I found the letter that Napoleon Hill wrote to Charles Hanel in 1919, actually April 21st, and uh, where he thanked Mr. Hanel. Yeah. And and this was early on in in uh, mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill's career. 
he thanked Mr. Hanel for what we call week four because it was a correspondence course. And that week, the information in chapter four uh, allowed or pointed Napoleon Hill's mindset to a direction that allowed him to secure a $109,000 a year part-time contract. This was the day before income tax mm. um, because of that chapter. I mean, there's a real testimony. You know, mm-hmm. at that time, Napoleon Hill was not a household word. Right. And, and, and he just really followed uh, Charles Hanel. And, and, uh, but again, I think what happened in our society is that, of course, we know the young lady from Australia took excerpts from this book and turned it into, I'm sorry, I publicly have said it enough times, in somewhat of a monstrous abomination of Charles Hanel's work, and that was called The Secret. Yeah, And I think it left an awful lot of people hanging because they yeah. never brought up the most important thing. And that is you have to get off your arse and put, apply action to it. <laughs> sure. You can manifest sure. all you want and it isn't going to get you very far. Sure. But uh, anyway, uh, it's interesting how those things intertwine. When you mentioned your favorite was Ignore the Peanut Gallery, uh, Josh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I read this, I you, I always gave you credit, by the way, but I posted in social media, I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine, by Bruce Lee. Yeah. And that was one of my most commented on posts, <laughs> and that's the beginning of your chapter. And it, it's just a coincidence to me that when I quoted "win or lose, succeed or fail," that's the first paragraph of that chapter. So uh, it, it, it's a chapter that's uh, near and dear to my heart. By the way, if anybody would like a copy of this wonderful book, um, deliver how to perform your best when it counts the most. Uh, you can go to youcanbuild.it slash deliver and uh, grab yourself a copy and read it today. And uh, join us next week or next month or whenever you listen to this because people listen to this program a year from now. And uh, let's talk about your feelings about it. Julian, you've been, Julianne, you've been very quiet. What do you think of all this? It's, uh, it's great information and definitely something that um, – uh, somebody that's kind of starting, just you know, you're always thinking about um, somebody else's opinion. So right. there is um, definitely something to reflect there because you're you're thinking, okay, my coaches, my family, everybody, your friends, your family, and you're thinking, oh, what are they thinking? Are you thinking I'm a failure? Are they thinking I didn't do anything? So, um, yeah, it actually hit home. The skull was one of those that I just happened to be home, and it was it popped up on my Facebook page, and I'm like, okay, you are meant to watch. And I had a meeting prior, and I thought, okay, I just hope I get the meeting over. So I got the meeting over. I get home with spare time. So I'm like, uh, yeah, this is the call for you. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. I'm glad you could be on it. Well, Julian, you're fairly new. You made some decisions in your life to pursue some activity to, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it's irrelevant. I mean, make more money, you know, live a different lifestyle. And do you feel that it is this societal yoke, as I call it, on so many people's shoulders that actually has inhibited you? And, And when you kind of 
puff out your chest and realize that you are kind of neat? Do things work a little better for you? Share some of your experiences lately. Um, it, it actually has been where um, I have realized that I, I was actually afraid to succeed. Oh, the after you know thinking going through a lot of, of books and thoughts and I thought sometimes you get stuck where you are because you are afraid of the changes it might bring mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and again there is those things you know your 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 time with your family your time with uh, of, of things that you have to do and there is the insecurity of not knowing what's going to happen and especially with not knowing what's going to happen. Um, it kind of stops you from being successful. And to be successful, you need to change your patterns that you're doing in now. Mm-hmm. And um, I am new to Charlotte. My, my husband's job might be... Um, ending by December or oh, February. Boy. I don't know if I'm going to have to move back to Vegas if we're going to stay here. So it was that point that, okay, it's time to make the business work because no matter where you, you where I'm going to be, I will always have something. I will have the business that will move us forward. Mm-hmm. So stop wasting time. Stop being scared. Stop being afraid and listening to other people and just do it. <laughs> you know, that is that is the point that will make you successful. I know that full well because of the situation, as Chuck said, we're not going to go into the grisly details, but several about six years ago now, our family went through a crisis that it came down to the way we survived it was, we were forced to move past the fear because there were answers that we had to have in order to survive safely um, in the physical safety realm. And you just had to get past the the paralysis, the fear, and just do. You know, Nick, I mean, excuse me, Josh and Nita, uh, what Julian just brought up, and and I got from your book, and I, I, I hope I didn't misinterpret it, we also, she said that she was worried about what's going to happen. You know, I mean, the, the, and I wonder if we don't have a habit of spending too much time thinking about tomorrow. Thinking about the what if. Yeah, the yeah. what if, and, and just doing the best you can right now, whether it's talking on a talk show, and, and by being the best, be yourself, in other words, and because yourself is the best, and that's what we constantly reflect back here. You know, when we realize how wonderfully we are created, when it, I'm, I have a scientific background, when I the, the deeper I started studying the human body, the internal mechanism, you know, everything about life is so gorgeous. I took some pictures of roses again this morning, and it's just fascinating. So, everything around us right now at this moment has greatness. And if we continue to focus our energy to those thoughts, mm-hmm. there is no what if what happens. Right. And, I would and, love that to say the what ifs, what I found is is the what ifs never really occur. No, no. 
I love that. I love the way you express that, Chuck. And um, we've been taught by well-meaning people, people that love us, that say, well, you've got to have it all figured out. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have it figured out, don't start. Yeah. And that just really, you know, you've heard the term paralysis by analysis. And, you know, those of us who stay in our heads a lot, which I'm famous for doing, you know, I can just stop myself in my tracks by going, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't know this, I don't know that, and all that. But I love what you said is so perfect because we really only have this present moment. Mm-hmm. That's it. Everything else is just the stories we tell, we the stories about the past or the stories about the future. Mm-hmm. And all we can do right now is focus on what we want to create right now, even though we might not know how it's going to turn out, and and just be our best self in the moment and um that's the trick right there is learning how to do that and learning how to be in that space of 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 being grateful for what we have and being in this present because the 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 energy of the solution is different from the energy of the problem right and when we focus on the problem and how it's not going to work out we can't be open to the wonder of possibilities. Like, I didn't even know you guys existed before yeah. Josh called me and said, you know, he said, hey, you know, there's this guy who emailed me and he said, I've never heard of it. And look, come to find out you you, you read Charles Hanel and you've given it, his book out. That's one of my all-time favorite books. <laughs> and I had no clue of the existence of your talk show and all the people that listen to you. So, I mean, that that's just an example of that. But, and, and guess how we met. I mean, this, this is really funny. I, I, re- I, a good friend of mine, Robert Dempsey, who just recently moved back to the States from Thailand, he's a business consultant as I am, mm-hmm. and a young man, obviously more energetic. And <laughs> we, I, I'm an inveterate. Every day I have blog subscriptions come to me, and I read the posts of interest, and I comment. I set aside almost an hour a day commenting on blogs uh, of things of interest to me, obviously. Mm-hmm. And anyway, Robert and I developed a relationship, and one of his blog posts, he had a contest, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I love contests. So I entered, <laughs> and I won this Kindle, okay? I didn't know how mm-hmm. to spell the name. I didn't even know what it did. <laughs> so anyway... Um, I got the Kindle, and I was born frugal and will remain frugal the rest of my life, and I found out that there's Kindle specials, you see, and there's mm-hmm. free books, and there's, there's just all these wonderful things, and boy, I'll tell you what, every time a 99-cent thing comes along or a freebie, I come along, mm-hmm. but then I see things like, I mean, your book, $4.95, my gosh, if... If we had this kind of power when I was growing up, we'd have a world full of geniuses because there's so much of this stuff that's available to people. And don't say you don't have time to read because reading should be part of your day. But I actually read this book. I got so excited I wanted to find out how who you guys were. I mm. mean, if I didn't win the Kindle, we wouldn't be here. Isn't that weird? Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's one of those serendipitous Yeah routes that you don't know how what the universe is bringing you right and and the thing that we stress here we discuss not stress but all of us on this show today tomorrow and in the future because our audience is well over a thousand a week sometimes up to two thousand not right now you know but they downloads because people know that we're here and we're on itunes and all this stuff is that the things we talk about apply 
to each and every one of us, and we should share these stories. In, in mm-hmm. other words, what, you know, like, like, for instance, Julian is here, and, and she brought up some good points. Now, if she says, I just had a great time, I mean, I'm not putting words in your mouth, hon, but, you know, I just had a great time and, and realized something, uh, meeting Nita and Josh, and she s- sends that to her friends, one of her friends might pick up on it, come back and listen to a show from six months ago or five years ago, mm-hmm. and that impact their life. See, we never know where we drop our yeah. seeds. Right. Mm-hmm. But as a good neighbor, I used to plant a lot of seeds for a lot of people, and, and that's what we all have to learn to do is to edify each other. Mm-hmm. And since we're all equals, it's like Oz. Oz has me so excited about what he's going to do. I can't wait to spend some more time with him because, he, you know, he was adamant the other day that he was going to do, at least he said this, that he wanted to do personal contact seminars. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, like he said, how many people in, in Chicago are going to want to come to these? Because they're somewhat esoteric. Mm-hmm. But with the power of the Internet he can literally become globally right. the, the champion of... Now, Oz, explain to our audience again what it is you do, because I can never re- you know, explain it as well as you can. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's, it's basically the Excel spreadsheets. And, mm-hmm. um, but instead of teaching, say, some five-day, eight-hours-a-day, $2,000 course, I see that people have tasks that they have to get done. There is no time to say, okay, here's the beginner, intermediate, and advanced. No, you have to build a task and get something done, and it's going to call for a mix of all of these. So I do workshops that they have been private, uh, dealing with a recurring uh, calculation or data parsing that a company has to do. Mm -hmm. And then my workshops deal with, say, pivot tables, okay, pivot tables and dashboards. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there is somebody that barely knows how to write a, a, a formula, but um, what's going to pull their ass out of fire is a pivot table. I love that. Yeah, we don't have six months for them to graduate into the intermediate level and then pivot table. No. Right, yeah. right. So that's what I do. And um, – I love doing it live on a screen and um, putting on a bow tie and going and yeah. I love and your I, bow ties. Ah, thanks. <laughs> and and um, I love the responses that I get back. You know, people not knowing what Excel could do, and then the very next mm-hmm. morning, my God, I was able to protect the sheet and send it off to a client, and they can't mess up the formulas anymore. Oh uh, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, cool. That sounds like a really exciting business. You you can teach somebody to do that from a simple standpoint. What took me into what I've just recently done with my re-understanding, rebuilding my math, um, my mathematical skills is I had a teacher for computer office assistant um, dipl- certificate diploma training that taught us I, she said, I'm going to teach you three things. She said, I'm going to teach you how to get into a program, how to get help in a program, and how to get out of a program. Mm. And with wow. that, you can teach yourself any information you want to learn. Mm. 
on any topic you want to learn. And I've taken that and been able to re get into pre-algebra skill and rebuild my own mathematical understanding so that I can help my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Presentation, deliver. How to perform <laughs> your best when it counts the most. And you know what's funny? Everything we do should count. It should have a value to us, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's taking a walk, <laughs> you know, there's so much energy you can share of taking a walk. But Oz, it, it, what brought that little riff up was I was just reading. Because I don't multitask. But anyway, Oz just mentioned on Google Plus of the people who seemed all excited, and I'm, I'm going to be public with this, Oz. It's perfectly okay. Of all the people that seemed excited about the workshop and wanted a webinar, none showed up to the hangout I scheduled to investigate their interest and availability. And then you said, glad I didn't jump in and start a weather. The, the the point here is to consider maybe the presentation is important, but we need to develop a buzz and build momentum to what you're doing. And, well, and you know, and, and I guess you, what you did, well, you wanted to have a hangout to find out what other people thought, correct? No, 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 no. What oh. happens? I, I posted a. Uh, uh, um, about a workshop I'm having here in Chicago. And oh, somebody, okay. Okay. Right. And then somebody in Turkey and a lady in New Zealand and a couple guys here in the States, please, this is exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. This could help my job. You should do a webinar. Right. Okay. I'm, my next impulse would be, okay, let's slap together a webinar. But then through this group that Chuck started, I've got, okay, slow down, slow down. So I figure, okay, this is what I will do. For those people in Turkey and wherever else they are, I'm going to schedule a hangout mm-hmm. and maybe 15 minutes to find out how interested they are, what they're interested okay. in, okay. and what their availability might be. Mm-hmm. And I heard from two who said they couldn't come, and they didn't say, but I could do this. No, they just said they couldn't come, and right. the other I never heard from. So what, what that put me in mind of is when I was running a nonprofit, I would get a whole lot of ideas and a whole lot of interest, and then when it was time to do something, I was the only one there. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, now Oz, I, yep. this is not a business development call, but I'm going to stay on this track for just a moment because you didn't do anything wrong. You did a wonderful thing. But one thing we did talk about a few days ago was the advantage, and Mark Holtgren brought it up, the webinar is evergreen. In other words, I've actually put on a lot of parties and nobody showed up. I've done this show without one person in the audience, okay? Mm-hmm. But remember, this show is always online, correct? Yeah. 24-7 yeah. around the world, you can find this show. Yeah. And people do. So if you do a presentation and it's effective and you do it through Hangout, it's immediately recorded in YouTube, or... If you do a webinar, especially with a company like Citrix or that other one we discussed, you have a video that is there for posterity and people can find it as long as it's evergreen, meaning we don't put dates, we don't put you know uh, current events in it. Right. But right. 
but it's okay if you don't have an audience because you are, and I think this is where, where Nita and Josh come in, you're performing your best when it counts the most, regardless of the audience right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because, Chuck, that's what you taught me, too, that very thing. When I first started my my call that I um, just capped off not long ago that I used to do, mm-hmm. um, I at first ended up taking a four-year hiatus from that call because I thought, oh, this is not going very well. I'm not really making an impact for anybody. You know, and I just kind of let that woe is me. And then you said, you know, it's always there. Mm-hmm. It's always evergreen. And then I went and I figured out how to look at the call stats. And all <laughs> of a sudden it was like, oh, my goodness, because I was getting the downloads, but I never knew right. that. Right. You know, it's something you said two years ago <laughs> that you thought was insignificant. Somebody in the world is listening to it. Mm-hmm. Right, and and then it was like, oh my, once I saw the call download numbers, it's like, oh my goodness, well, mm-hmm. if this is the case, if, if I'm getting listen, uh, listeners, I've got a responsibility to get off my tail and do something. <laughs> jo- Josh and Nita is, now, see, this is, I, I started podcasting when I bought a computer a few years ago. The two of you wrote a book and and published it, which excites me because everybody wants to do that, and I am doing it, but it's not ready today. But the, the, is there a way that you know that people that, that people are? Is it the the reports of the sales of the book? I, I mean, how? Yeah. Is that, is that how you track it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You get uh, if you sell online with Amazon, especially through Kindle, you get um, you get monthly. Okay. You know, even daily, you can check the stats and see how many people have bought the book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's borrows and everything too with Kindle system that. Oh, if, if you're a, if you're a Prime member, you can just check it out, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and authors actually do get paid for that. In um, you know, Amazon has a pool of money that pays. Really. For yeah. Mm-hmm. You actually actually could make five or six bucks sometimes if somebody borrows it. Wow. Wow. You know, I'm going to share with the two of you, uh, there's another friend of ours who's been on this show, and, and I'm doing some personal consulting for him. He he is an accomplished author, I don't know, 45 or 50 novels in the in the fiction genre. Wow. And, and, you know, he's kind of one of these cloak and dagger guys, you know. Mm-hmm. He happens to be a literature professor also. But one of his complaints when I met him was the terrible way that publishers treat the people that produce the yeah. product. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's not get into it, but we know it's true, right? Right. So right. two years ago, I said, why don't you, and I don't know anything about it, but I said, God, I'm finding out, you know, literally thousands of people want to listen to me, and that's pretty bad, but, you know, you write good stuff. What he did is he took his books that were out of contract because I guess you sign a contract with a publisher mm-hmm, for some mm-hmm. years. And he put them on Kindle. Right. And the report is, now, you know, the, he's in his 60, early 60s. Uh, he did 52000 net on Kindle last year. That's cool. That's on books crazy. that he wrote years ago. You see, right, right? Right. I mean, right. this is stuff that he wrote 25 years ago. Sure. That's great. And, and what he did, though, he used social media to do the buzz. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Talked about it on Facebook, talked about it on Google Plus, you know, had a following. And, and he also teaches writing. Uh, he, he's putting together a membership course online on writing, cool. which which I think will be neat. We've talked about that. So. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's a, it's re, it's really amazing that Amazon and and other big players in the publishing industry have really changed the game of how of how ideas are spread. Really, because right. you know before you know you had to go through a publishing company and and they treated authors horribly and oh, they do and, and they do you know and then that's kind of their model is they make as much you know they make as much money as possible and the mm-hmm. author ends up if they're lucky making five to ten percent of every book that's sold. Well isn't it um, true that your Kindle your net on Kindle would is similar to if this was a twenty five dollar book on, 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 on the bookshelf? Uh probably. It's it's around it's around seventy percent uh, yeah. is what the average author earns. So it depends on the price of the book. But yeah, yeah but, but I mean that's seventy percent on Kindle. You don't get seventy percent right. on a published book, you no, get like two or three dollars. You, you know. When everything is said and done between retail and, and you know, the publishing company, you might get five percent of yeah. Yeah. of a sale. Um five to ten percent. But yeah, it's and there are there are different hybrid publishers that are doing it differently. But really Amazon you know, and some of their, their it's it's just very encouraging for for even for authors that just have ideas that they want to share with the world that there really are no barriers now for you for you to share share those ideas with the world and and a lot of people's ideas are succeeding or failing you know that based on how you know how how well they write and how well they can market it too at the same time so and it's just just it's a lot more level playing field for for new and aspiring authors. Hmm, sounds great. What we need to do is let our audience know, number one, they know they can get the book at youcanbuild.it slash deliver, $4.95. Okay. You can also buy a paperback if you'd like, and that's mm-hmm. only nine ninety five. so what the mm-hmm. heck, that's a good deal. Now, you mentioned you have the Peak Performance Consulting. Is mm-hmm. there a place that the audience can go and learn more about Peak Performance? Yes. Um, we actually have two businesses. Um, the Polaris Performance Coaching is the one where we uh, you, we do coaching for teams of business people, uh, business leaders. So that's Polaris Performance Coaching dot com. Dot com. Mm-hmm. That's a and, lot of alliteration there, kid. Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> HilarisPerformanceCoaching.com. We recently started a business where um, we're working with students, and that website is LearnYourBrain.com because I'm very interested in alternative ways to help somebody access the space of performance for studying. Mm -hmm. And um, so... I've spent years studying these techniques, and um, so that one is learnyourbrain.com, and uh, that's a recent, very new site that's only been up maybe two or three months. months. All right. And and this is directed to those in the learning process. It doesn't matter what age you are. No, it doesn't matter what age, and it doesn't matter what you're learning. What I do is teach the way your brain is wired uh, because you have a particular brain organizational profile that you were born with. Right. It's a lot more complicated than just whether you're right brain or left brain. Sure. It's that which hemisphere and also which eye, which ear, which hand, which foot 
There's a combination of all those, and uh, the whole idea is we need both hemispheres on, both eyes on, both ears on. Those are the ones that are most important for learning. And what we do under stress is shut down. We shut down both hemispheres, both eyes and both ears. Uh-huh. And because if somebody has a profile like mine, um, under stress, I lose certain sensory information because oh. under stress I lose the ability to really see and hear very clearly. Hmm. And so this is, uh, this is just uh, helping somebody get to the space of knowing what their profile is and using certain techniques to be able to uh, switch on their entire brain, in which, you know, your entire brain accesses and powers both sides of your body, mm-hmm. so that you are able to really learn anything much easier. Very good. So now this, uh, I, I just went to the site, Learn Your Brain, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm going to pursue it myself here, find out more about it. That's learnyourbrain.com. And learnyourbrain.com. You would, rec- yeah, you would working- recommend this for people who are in, of course, we're all studying all the time, but let's say somebody entering, possibly finding it difficult in college where, where they might be approaching things differently than what they're used to, and uh, they become overwhelmed, uh, yes. which, which is something that fascinated me when I went to school, that... Uh, I was a plotter. You know what a plotter is? P-L-O-D-D-E-R. I I was never a genius. I just plotted along, you know. And my friends who excelled in high school got to college and failed miserably. (laughs) In fact, most of them were gone. The valedictorian didn't make it through the first year. And and I just plotted along. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And... and, uh, because I didn't allow, th- I read the book at age 17. I didn't allow things to overwhelm me, you know. Right, I just, right. okay, well, you know, do this, do that, put on your Sunday hat and question all the time. Yes. But uh, yes. I, I'm so excited that I want a Kindle, and I was able to get a book, <laughs> deliver how to perform your best when it counts the most. And, and it's that tagline of your book. I think we as people spend too much time being concerned what other people think about us. Mm -hmm. And we should spend more time thinking about what we think about us. And we are. We are in possession. Each and every person listening to this call today, tomorrow, and in the future, we are in the possession of the greatest power ever given, and that's human life. Yes. I think if we realize how little they really do think about yeah. us, <laughs> right. um, we, we would do ourselves a great favor. Right. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really all about us, you know? <laughs> Get off your you know, Lori. People really don't care about you. People <laughs> really are really focused on themselves. Right. They, they really are. It's so They really are. We spend all this time thinking, oh, no, they're going to think I'm a terrible person. <laughs> right. well, you know, they do, do, really do, don't care what... They don't, really. Right. When you, you know, get down to it, they're just thinking about themselves. Right. Exactly. You know, you know, Julianne was, was mentioning, you know, her, her, her new ventures and, and worrying about, you know, her presentation. Well, I, for some reason, in, in, I, I'm a salesman. That's what I've basically done all my life. I'm a peddler. Mm-hmm. And... I've always had people say yes, mm-hmm. and I never pay any attention to those that say no because it's their fault, their, their problem right. for not saying right. no. 
Sure. And this is what intrigued me about your book, and this is one of my hot buttons. Perform your best when it counts the most. If a person who is in the business of talking to people about helping them make a decision for a solution they want, now you just heard what I said, making a decision to solve a solution that they have, to a problem they have. That's what it, that's what sales is all about. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. Okay. The only thing I'm concerned about when I make that presentation is not what you say, yes or no, but did I do a good job in making that presentation and was sure. my Absolutely. was my presentation adequate? If you say no, all that tells me is that you're really not interested in solving your problem. Right. Right. Because I know that I have the best possible solution for you. And right. you set the parameters because we spent a lot of time asking questions. So, right. Julian, I hope you understand that the direction that this book can help you, how to perform your best when it counts the most, is really talking about you being Julian at the best you can, regardless of what other people think. When they say no, they're saying no, they don't want to solve their problem. Mm-hmm. That's all they're saying. But can we step back though? What if, what if he smells like cigarette smoke? Okay, <laughs> I I know there's a point there, Oz, but I missed it. Go ahead. Well, no, is okay. So I've been sitting with this question for a while now about the balance between getting legitimate feedback from your universe mm-hmm. versus really being grounded in who you are. Okay. And, I show up and give a great presentation, but I still smell like cigarette smoke, and people are just put off, and they're not paying attention, and they're just waiting for, when is this guy leaving out of here with this cigar, cigarette stench? Okay, I, I have an answer to that. Okay. Uh, if that's happening, we're not talking to the right audience. And, and that's something that a lot of people in marketing forget. I mean, marketing really is different than sales. Marketing is finding the people who are salivating for the information or the product. Okay. Sales is when you present the benefits in front of the people and you allow them to make a decision whether they want to solve their problem. And that's the other thing. It's their problem. It's not mine. If you want to lose weight, that's your problem. I lost my weight. And I can share with you the method of how how I did it. Right. So, and it doesn't matter whether I smell like cigarette smoke right. or what I, you know. Yeah. But, if if they're worried about that, they're not concentrating on. They're not interested really in the solution they are telling you they're looking for. Right. They, they, they can say they can say they are, but they may not be. Now. One thing that we all need to do, and I am constantly trying to fine-tune the system, I mean my own method, and that is to be sure that my message is told or presented to people that want to hear it. Why waste my time and energy talking to the unwashed masses? And I'm quoting, using that word under quotes. And one of the problems we see on the Internet is there's way too much dissemination of information on deaf ears. And then people get frustrated and say, this doesn't work. Yes, it does. Hmm. I mean, we developed a website four months ago for a magazine. You know, uh, I was asked to do this. That's how I get paid. And that that website has had 50,000 engaged readers who spend eight to nine minutes on the website. And the website generated income within a week or two. Now, it's because... 
the only people that are seeing that website are people who care. Do, mm-hmm. do you understand? We're not going to blast it out to the world because the magazine works in a small niche of people. Right. right. It's, it's people that are that are interested in the equestrian Right, right, world. And, and a specialized part of it, too, you see. It, it's like I love, you know, I love people that blog about left-handed fly fishermen. You can make a ton of money blogging for left-handed fly fishing. There aren't too many of them, but they're passionate about being left-handed in the fly mm. fishing, you know. So again, Oz, it's it's who we talk to. I, I think that makes a big difference. You know what? My my wife just reminded me. I have to take Flo down to get her. Uh, her it's time to shave our dog. <laughs> uh, it's, well, it's getting warm here in Northern California. Yeah. So everybody, I really I hope the, that uh, Nita and Josh join us again. I'd love sure, to. I'd love to. Yeah. And Gosh, uh, it was wonderful, wonderful to find you guys. Yeah, it's just been such a joy. Right. And and we're going to share the link, and everybody else can share the link uh, at Focus Society. Dot com, and uh, I'm going to have to run because, oh, my gosh. Uh, this is Chuck Bartok from the banks of the Sacramento River thanking Lori Polino, Gino up in Canada, uh, Nita and Josh. i got to say this slowly, Chuck. Matthews Morgan, okay, <laughs> and then, of course, Gerard King, who hasn't said a word. He's published five books, but he's still so quiet. And then, of course, Julianne, uh, we thank you very much for being here also. And uh, Oz? We're gonna mm-hmm. keep we're gonna keep going, man. That's gonna be great, okay? Uh, yep, that's hey, right. Thank thank you all. Hey, you know, we'd go out and say have a good day, but guess what? There is no alternative. Talk to you <laughs> later. Bye bye. Talk to you right. later. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.